Hello, Barry Wimbolt here with the Live More podcast. Today I'm in conversation with independent sleep expert Neil Stanley, or Dr. Neil Stanley to give him his full title, and he's also one of the resident experts on the Live More app. More of that later. But for now, I thought it'd be really interesting to explore his specialist area because sleep can be a problem and it appears that it is a problem for many people. So I thought it'd be really useful to to go through that with somebody who really knows their subject. See what you think. So, good morning, and uh, well, it's morning where we are, isn't it, in the UK? Uh, Neil, um, thanks for giving me the time. It's a great pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation, and one of the things that prompted um, a line of thought in me was this thing that the uh, bulletin that the uh, World Health Organization put out some time ago describing sleep paucity or lack of sleep as a as a worldwide sleep epidemic um i wonder what your reaction is to that statement i i think uh, there's issues with that statement and to, to, to describe sleep which is a natural biological process that we all do every single night uh, as an epidemic or the fact that we're not sleeping as an epidemic i think is is, is rather foolish because that equates it with other illnesses uh, that, that are actually physical illnesses rather than a biological process. And I think it does it an injustice because what it does is cause people to be anxious uh, about their sleep or the, the consequences of poor sleep. And that anxiety can indeed in itself lead to poor sleep. And is this a recent phenomenon, do you think? I mean, I've been a sleep expert for 40 years, and I've noticed it happening in about the last five to 10 years of this creation of this anxiety about sleep, that we're not sleeping, and this is a terrible thing. And it's frankly not true. I mean, the the group at Oxford University uh, two years ago published a paper showing that in the UK, we are sleeping longer now than we did in 1974. Now, for the listeners who weren't in Britain in 1974, we had three channels of television. Late night shopping was six o'clock on a Thursday night. Pubs closed at 10.30. We didn't have the internet, tablets, mobile phones, and yet we're sleeping more than we did then. What about, I mean, it's true, nevertheless, I'm sure you do in your work and I do in my work, that that, that some people do not sleep well. Oh, absolutely. Um, but a lot of that, as I, as I mentioned in, in what I just said, is anxiety. It's fear. Um, you know, the, the number one best-selling sleep book uh, that came out a few years ago spends its entire uh, you know, document telling you that you'll die or go mad if you don't get a good night's sleep. So we now have an expectation. We now have wearables that are making people compare themselves against the hy- hypothetical perfect sleep, which is uh, which is eight hours, which 
has never been recommended by anybody. But the minute your wearable says you're not getting eight hours sleep, that's it. You've got a sleep problem. You're failing. And the minute you go to bed thinking, I'm not going to get a good night's sleep tonight, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're not going to get a good night's sleep. Absolutely. And in fact, I spend a lot of my work, when I do work um, occasionally with people with sleep-related problems, well, increasingly uh, regularly lately, but when that has happened, I spend most of my time alleviating anxiety and challenging myths. And that in itself starts people on the road to um, better sleep. Absolutely. And this is the thing. We have been doing sleep as long as we've been humans. I mean, basically, sleep is a biological phenomenon. It's a necessity. It's like breathing, drinking, eating. Mm. Uh, And what is interesting is if you look look at the history, Aristotle wrote about sleep. But then nobody wrote about sleep for, you know, the next 2000 years. But the actual sleep crisis, for want of a better word, that we are supposedly experiencing came around in about the 1970s, 1980s. As I say, I started working the field of sleep in 1982. And at the point, there was literally one book that was, you know, available about sleep to the general public, Alex Borbay's Secret of Sleep. Um, now, I mean, my collection of sleep books, my personal collection is well over two and a half thousand books. So sleep's become a more popular topic, a more accessible topic. So what's the downside of that then? What does that mean? So we've created this, this idea that we're not sleeping. And as I say, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, that's not to say that people aren't sleeping. But what I'm saying is for the vast majority of people who aren't sleeping, the solution is in their hands. It is not something that you need to buy a supplement or a bath soak or a 600-pound sleep robot or any other of the things that people are trying to sell you. Most of what people need to do is something they can do themselves. It's just that they don't, for some reason, have the motivation to do it. So you've set it up. You've set it up very nicely and very powerfully there. Uh, okay. So we accept that a certain number of people believe they are uh, not able to sleep well, and that helps to make actually the sleep problem in inverted commas more of a problem for them, uh, partly induced by their own anxiety. But whatever the causes and whatever people's beliefs, people present themselves wanting solutions, of course. And it's not nice being tired. In fact, Livemore have a little survey running this morning, and I noticed that 30% of respondents say they wake up feeling tired every day. So in terms of practical things that people can do, you say it's a natural process, we, we're all born to sleep, I totally agree with this, and uh, if we don't get in the way of it, it'll, it'll work very well, thank you very much. But something is getting in the way for some people. So what is the solution or other solutions that you've mentioned what could some of the solutions be well i mean the thing that's getting in the way for most people is very simply life uh sleep in the past used to be an end in itself Mm -hmm. um it was a good thing it was something to look forward to now sleep becomes the thing that you do at the end of the night after you've done all the exciting things like binge watching uh, streaming services or watching funny cat videos. And so sleep isn't treasured. And so the really the first 
I mean, when people say, you know, what are your solutions to sleep? Really, the first solution is think that sleep is important. If you don't think that sleep is important, you're never going to do the behaviors that you need to do in order to get a good night's sleep. So there are millions of sleep tips out there. They all actually just fall into three categories. You only need three things for a good night's sleep. One is a bedroom conducive to sleep. So dark, quiet, cool, comfortable. Yeah. Second one, a relaxed body. If you're tense, if you're in pain or whatever, that will be a problem. And then the third, which is probably the absolute prerequisite for sleep, is a quiet mind. You can be physically exhausted, mm. get into bed and you can't sleep. Why? Because your mind is racing. You're worried, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're ruminating about things. And that is the problem. So you need to have a quiet mind. Now, you might say, well, how do you achieve a quiet mind? Well, the obvious answer is I have no idea. It's down to you as an individual. But you have to put your cares and worries of the day to bed long before you actually get into bed. You're right. I was going to ask you for recommendations. So you cleverly anticipated that. Nevertheless, and I accept that everybody is different and some things will appeal to some people more than others. But in general, what sort of things could people be doing to quieten the mind to get some peace before they sleep? So whether that's drinking chamomile tea, doing yoga, practicing mindfulness meditation, listening to Pink Floyd really loudly, I don't care what you do, as long as you do something. And that's the bit that we're missing because most people's bedtime routine is to switch their device off, go to the bathroom, brush their teeth, flop into bed, you know, sleep, take me. And frankly, sleep isn't interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then people go, oh, I'm not falling asleep immediately. Well, you, no one's meant to fall asleep immediately. Anybody who promises you to fall asleep in two minutes, that's completely unnatural. It should take you 12 to 15 minutes to fall asleep. But if you have a relaxed body, a quiet mind, and nothing in the environment to disturb you, all things being equal, you will fall asleep. Yes, and indeed, that, that is what I get in my work. In fact, I was talking about it just uh, the end of last week to somebody. Um, yes, but how do I quieten my mind? How do I still my mind? How do I stop the rumination? How do I stop my mind turning over? And it's absolutely... Uh, and, and of course, that's where people like me come in, because I have some techniques for that. But they're not rocket science. They are natural things. And one of the, one of the uh, things I said to this chap last week was, well, look... You know, you're an intelligent guy. You've got a very busy, demanding job. Apart from the obvious stuff of winding down and preparing for sleep and regular bedtime and all of those things, treating sleep as important rather than a nuisance that's getting in the way of other things, what about giving your mind something to do as you fall asleep? Uh, if it's not going to behave, you've got to train it to behave, is, is basically the way I put it. And that's where some of these little techniques come in. Like, obviously, the obvious one is counting sheep, which doesn't work very well. But there are some, some breathing techniques and there are other techniques which I... I mean, it's even too much to call them techniques. But think about something you want to think about rather than something you don't want to think about. Exactly. And, you know, in... in uh psychology whatever you know thought blocking so subtracting seven from a thousand sequentially or going through the alphabet naming an animal 
beginning with each letter of the alphabet. My favourite one from years ago is list alphabetically all the operas you've seen. That's a, that's a very highbrow sort of sleep technique, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it probably isn't that relevant. But, I mean, you know, I the, the other thing is, as you say, think about something that you want to think about. And that's where relaxation techniques comes in, isn't it? Because that gives you something to think about. It gives the mind an activity. Uh, but what we seem to be saying here is you don't actually have to go and study a specific relaxation technique. You can choose what to think about, direct the mind, keep it busy in an enjoyable way instead of a, in a worrying way, and you will relax if you distract yourself. We know how to relax. I mean, one of the questions that you should ask somebody with a supposed sleep problem is how do you sleep when you're on holiday? Because most of them will say, I sleep perfectly well. Well, then you don't have a sleep problem. Something in your daily life is getting in the way, whether it be a high-powered job or whatever. But there is no fault of sleep. You're just erecting a barrier to getting to sleep because you're not winding down. I mean, So taking time to wind down, but in that case, you have to think also about how you get ready for bed and the things that you're doing are just supposed to be relaxing when you go to bed. So what about things that intrude, like social media? You know, we're guilty because we do get suckered into social media, but also the social media companies are guilty because they have made their presentation to be addictive, to suck us in. You know, one of the major streaming companies reduced the amount of time between episodes deliberately so you would binge watch. There was not enough time to cognitively think, oh, I should go to bed before the next episode. And then you thought, oh, well, I might as well watch it. And then you might, and then so suddenly it's three o'clock in the morning. So, of course, these people are selling advertising. So they need you to watch. But it's our personal responsibility as an adult to disengage from that. Listening to you now, it's it becomes clear to me that actually taking the main points you've mentioned about treating sleep as a an important factor in life rather than a nuisance or a, an also-ran or something you have to do uh, when, when there are actually more exciting things going on in your mind. Um, so first of all, uh, prioritise it, give it its space, keep bedtimes regular, you know, do all the, all the common sense things which people can get advice. I mean, I know you've got a lot on the Live More app and uh, people can get advice from all sorts of sources as well. Um, so having done that, you've got it clear in your mind that sleep is important to you and then you treat it like any other regime in your life for something which is important, whether it's athletics or, or passing an exam or, you know, you've got to do your revision, you've got to do your preparation and then you clear the space and you devote yourself to it entirely without distractions. And for those people who say, well, my mind won't quieten down, then there are routines one can go through in the evening to help that process. Does that sound like a, a fair summary? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you if you see sleep as 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 a joy, and I, I do. I mean, I literally. I mean, this might sound sad, but I wake up in the morning and I'm all nice and comfortable, and I think I'm going to go back to bed tonight. 
No, I, I, as long as I survive the day. Exactly. So really enjoy your sleep and look forward to it. But as we know, a lot of people seem to treat sleep as an intrusion or an interruption to their busy lives. And then we got the model of the high-powered leaders, politicians and other people who really seem to promote the idea that sleep's a waste of time. And in fact, that has been said by one or two of them and that they can get by on very little sleep each night. What do you say to that? And that's the thing. You know, there, there's been so much propaganda about the benefits of short sleepers, the CEOs who don't sleep a lot, the geniuses who don't sleep a lot. And this is all just propaganda put out by them to make them sound better than you. This idea, you know, sleep's for wimps, it's a waste of time, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And then we suddenly get Margaret Thatcher only slept four hours, no evidence of that at all. And we've been suckered into this, that sleep is a weakness. If I said to you now, I eat my five a day and I run 10 kilometers a day, you'd go, well done, good for you. If I say I go to bed around nine o'clock and sleep for nine and a half hours every night, you say you're a sad person with no friends. Yeah, well, actually, I wouldn't say that, but I know what you mean. I know a lot of people would. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because thinking about it now, and this is a whole other tangent, but thinking about it now, there's this notion in life that if you're alone, you're somehow not doing okay in life. You've got to have loads of friends. You've got to be very active. You've got to be doing stuff. Um, actually, solitude and thinking are very important parts of life, and so is sleep, and they're not entirely unconnected either. So we have to challenge our own, the myths that we've, as you say, get got suckered into and, and make up our own rules for ourselves based on what is known. So you mentioned three aspects earlier. Could we summarise with those? Yeah, I mean, the three aspects you need for sleep, and as I say, every other sleep tip, whatever it is, falls into one of these three categories. One is a bedroom conducive to sleep. So it's got to be dark, it's got to be quiet, it's got to be comfortable, it's got to be cool. There's going to need nothing in the environment, either within the room or outside of the room, that disturbs your sleep or causes you anxiety. So that's number one. Number two is a relaxed body, because people think that being tired, as in physically tired, is the same as sleep. It's not. Being tired is just being exhausted mm. physically. Right. But you need that. You need to be relaxed. You know, there needs to be nothing in the body that's keeping you awake, whether that be a, a an itch or pain or whatever. And then thirdly, which is the most important one, and the one that we struggle with as a society because of the social media we've been talking about, is the quiet mind. You, your the sleep is of the brain and for the brain. The only bit of the body that must have sleep is the brain. So you have to allow the brain to sleep, and that means it needs to be not working. And of course, it will keep your body and your your brain working, but it can't be thinking about something important because that's just awake behavior. Solving problems, etc., is awake behavior. You need to. Quiet in your mind, however that works. Listening to music, reading, whatever works for you. You know how to relax. Just take the time to relax. And, you know, if you put your mind and body in the position for sleep, sleep will happen. And that was that Robert McNeish writing back in 1830 said that. 
The mind and body need to be in the position for sleep, and then you will sleep. Yeah. For most, the vast majority of people, it is as simple as that. It's a very useful summary and a very useful reminder. And I get your passion and, and also a level of frustration, really, because of what we're dealing with in society, I assume, you know, the, and the false beliefs and the myths and the notwithstanding also the very real worldwide problems and stuff that we're facing. But we don't need to take those to bed with us. And one of the things I would throw in just at this point is that, you know, you don't need to watch the news at 10 o'clock at night because with, with all of the terrible stuff going on, and for that matter, you know, anything that arouses you and alarms you, even if it's, uh, in inverted commas, fun, uh, is not a great activity just before you go to bed, is it? Exactly. And when I've always said, you know, if you, if you just watch The Exorcist, <laughs> yes. don't expect to fall asleep easily. You know, it, it, it's, just, it's just obvious in my, in my view. You, you, know, if, you know, if I'm on my own in the house and I watch something scary... <laughs> On telly, every single light is on in the house <laughs> and a torch, just in case. Yeah, you heard it here, folks. This is world famous sleep expert telling you how it is. This is really real life here. So thank you very much for sharing that with us, Neil. Well, look, I've I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Just to remind people that they can get a lot more of your information via the Live More app. But for now, I'd just like to thank you very much for your time and say what a uh, a refreshing and I hope for, for the listeners empowering conversation it is because the message is we all know how to sleep it is possible it is within your grasp and do the right things and you will sleep thank you very much Brad. it's been a great pleasure talking to you well that concludes this episode of the Live More podcast I hope you found it useful and if you have what will you do next what are the key learning points for you one of the main aspects of the Live More app is that we want the information we provide to be practical and useful. How will you follow up on what we've just discussed? Why not go to the Live More app now and take a look at Neil's read called How Much Sleep Do I Need? And if you haven't already done it, download the app from your usual sources. So for now, that's all from me, Barry Winbolt. I'll look forward to speaking to you in a later episode. All the best. Goodbye.